But the Lord brought me back from that and made me focus in a different area. And would you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and let's just read there. Um, Paul is talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, and gives him some encouraging words. And we're going to launch from there today. And uh, uh, so we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse. we're going to start with verse 3. I don't want to get tangled up in too many of these verses, but there is something I want to get to, so. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your guidance and your direction for this day. I pray for your ongoing direction as I share this morning. Lord, I don't want to get up here and just speak a whole bunch of words. Lord, I want you to be able to speak to your people's hearts. So would you guide my thoughts and guide the words that come from my mouth? And Lord, would you plant the seed exactly in the orientation and in the place where it needs to be in the hearts of the hearers? And Lord, may the net gain be that you're glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul starts out talking to Timothy and he says, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience just as my ancestors did. So Paul starts out and he... He's able to think of Timothy with kind thoughts and good thoughts and said, I I thank God for you. And I can tell you, when I think of the family that God brought together here, it it, uh, stirs my heart with joy. I'm just not saying that to fluff your pillow. Um, I'm I'm telling you, I get excited when I think about you. Even for those of you that I know that are going through difficult things, because I am confident of a brighter day. I'm confident that that God, who has sustained so many through so much, through so many years, is the same God there for you. And I know that God created you for more. If you've lived on the mountaintop for 2018, or if you've been struggling walking through quicksand in the middle of a valley, I can tell you there's more for you, no matter what your experience has been, and I'm confident of that. Paul said, Timothy, I thank God for you. He said that Paul said that he could serve God with a clear conscience, just as his ancestor did. There was a legacy of faith. That for Paul, we don't know about his, all of his family and what they all did, but there had been an ongoing legacy of faith had been passed down for generations through the, the Israelite community of people who had been serving the Lord. And Paul was a, a part of that. He also looked at Timothy's life And he said, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. He says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Timothy was blessed with his own heritage of faith. There was something that had been passed down from generation to generation to him. And, and Timothy, rather than turning away and choosing a different path, chose to stay in that path and to continue in the faith that had been passed to him. He said, And this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. There's something that we need to hear right here in this passage. Timothy was walking with God. Timothy had a heritage in the faith. Timothy knew a lot of things. That a lot of things probably came first nature to him. But yet, Paul looks at Timothy and says, Timothy, you, you still need to fan to flame that gift that was put inside of you. Don't become, I don't even know if this is a, a dictionary word, but the word lackadaisical. You know the word lackadaisical? Do I need to define for anybody? Don't become slack. Don't become complacent. Don't allow the things of the spirit or the things of your spirit life to become so common that it's not something that you fan to flame. It takes some effort and some exertion. Whether I like it or not, it has become a reality in my life since, when was it that we came back from Columbia? Remember those dates? September? October. October 29th? 28th, 29th. Ever since that time. 
Well, we went down to, I can't even remember, Columbia. That was history. Um, went down to Columbia. When we came back, it had turned cold when we came back. By no, my no choice of my own, since that time, we've been heating with a fire at the house for the most part, part except for a few space heaters. And uh, um, I just want to tell you, that whole romantic fireplace thing with the <laughs> crackling fire and everything, it's, it's done. I, I'm done. I mean, I still appreciate it, but I tell you what, it's become work. <laughs> And we're within days probably of that being remedied, for which I'm very grateful for. But um, I feel like I've been learning some things about a fire. One of those things is that you can have a very well-stocked fire, and it can be burning and blazing bright. But if you don't tend the fire, it's going to go out. Fire requires fresh fuel. Yesterday's embers will grow cold. So, if I can just walk you through, I'm, I don't want to labor you with this, but there's spiritual principle behind it, so bear with me for a little bit, okay? When I wake up in the morning, I wake up to either a chill or somewhat of a warmth in the house, and it immediately clues me into something needs to be tended to. So, that's how the day has started out for the last several weeks. Uh, um, you know, I thank the Lord for a 70s day. <laughs> And look, I'm not talking about this. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. I appreciate the journey, okay? But you probably don't feel sorry for me anyhow. Tough it out, David. Tough it out. Man up. So, I mean, I get up in the morning and I feel if there's a chill in the air or not. And it, sometimes it's a little bit more urgent than not. If there's a chill, I'm going to jump up and go. My first thing is to go in there. I'll pat my hand on top of that wood stove and see if it's hot. If it's, if it's warm or hot, I know that there's hope. There's something going on in there, and usually I can open up, and when I open the doors, some fresh wind will blow into that furnace. Look, all, all through this, just go ahead and make spiritual application of this, okay? I'll open up those doors, and when a fresh wind blows in there, if there's anything that's alive in there, you'll see some flame. You'll see some heat. You'll see the embers respond to the fresh wind that's coming in. Immediately, my response is, I look in there and I see where the ash is. Generally, I will get in there and stick my face as close as I can bear it and give a, a breath of life. I put a fresh breath over those coals just to see if they'll respond. Sometimes they've gotten so cold that there's nothing left. And I've got to get some kindling out and put it in there and put some fresh fire to it. But sometimes when I put that, that puff, excuse me, Avera, aren't you glad I wasn't standing in front of you? I just, I just got that first row wet. I put a, a fresh breath of air in there, and sometimes there's fire that responds on those coals, and I know that there's hope. What I do next is I, I look, and I start moving the ash out of the way. I, I, I blow on the coals specifically to refresh them and knock the old ash off, get the, get the ash off of them so that they can respond to what is is the fresh breath that's coming in there then i'll get the tongs out and i'll start gathering all those coals together in one place so that they can feed off of one another and strengthen one another and and you'll see a glow start happening because there's already a draft there's already a move of wind over those coals because the chimney is there and it's causing there to be a draft and so those coals will start to respond. You'll see the little flicker. It's not usually enough. I have to do a little bit more to get it to really catch up. But then I'll go over and, and, and draw from that wood bin that we've got, the wood box over there. And I'll start putting some fresh fuel on there. And I have to arrange the fresh fuel, the fresh wood in such a way that I know that it can, can catch the heat that's coming off of the coals and the wood placed beside each other have to, if I press it too far apart, all the heat's going to go right up through the middle. If I put it too close together it quenches the flow of the air and it can't respond so i have to live enough of a gap for the air to go up in between that wood so that the course the heat that's coming off of the freshened coal refreshed coals will come up through the wood and cause the fresh fuel to catch on fire and uh hopefully before long if i treat it just right it will start you'll start seeing the flame come and it will it will start again uh, catching fire and there'll be fresh fire in that fireplace and then it'll warm the box and then I can turn the fan on and it'll start blowing heat out and it will heat the house. 
And so this has been a life lesson for me literally day after day and night after night since the end of October. And if I miss it, it gets cold in the house. It can't, I can't miss a day without putting a fire in there. And if we miss a day, the house just gets increasingly cold. And what a life lesson. How can we go a day without checking the fire on the altar? If we live dependent on yesterday's experience and yesterday's, whether it's a good or bad experience, if it's a bad experience, it just becomes clutter like ash in the fireplace. It begins to build up and we find that there's no place for the wind of the Spirit. There's no place for the fresh fire because it's so congested and so all the space is taken up by death and dying. Even good experiences become clutter in our life if they're not made fresh. They just become coals with no ember. There's no life in them anymore. There's got to be a refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit. So every once in a while, even those of us who desire to walk in a spiritual place with the Lord need a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit to come and blow on the purposes and plan of God and refresh us and remind us of why are we here? What are we here to accomplish? What are we here to do for the kingdom of God? What gift, what ability is it that He's put inside of us that we need a refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit on? to make sure that it's alive and well. And folks, if we're just dependent on what was put back in that fireplace weeks ago or years ago or something like that, and we're not digging in and finding fresh fuel to go on that fire, we won't have what we need to sustain and to grow on. Because yesterday's experience was an initiation into what God had called us to be. But there's a, it's intentional that God wants us to add fuel, to add resources, to add materials, to continue to develop in our relationship with the Lord, that we continue to grow and don't just trust in all that we knew in the past. When it comes to the wealth of knowledge and wealth of experience and wealth of relationship that we can have with God, it's an unlimited supply. And we're not supposed to dwell on yesterday. There's a today experience. There's a today fuel for your spirit. We've got to make sure that we put fresh fuel on the fire. What's your source? I found that there's some wood that will work you to pieces and hardly catch flame because it's not ready. It's wet. Or it's wood that just doesn't burn. And I tell you this, another thing, I got some really cheap wood from some people that were trying to clear their, clear out their, their fallen trees and wood piles. And there's some of that wood that it will burn. It looks pretty, but it's pretty valueless when it comes to heat. Some wood, apply this spiritually to your life. There's some things you can get involved in and it'll keep you just as busy as can be. And it looks great. It even may have some sense of satisfaction and it looks somewhat appealing, to, but it doesn't produce heat. What it does produce is a whole lot of ash. There's certain wood that you can get. If you go and burn pine, what you're going to end up with is a lot of soot. It's going to contaminate your chimney. It's going to contaminate your fireplace. It's going to end up making it a dangerous thing down the road because pine, if you burn it, will build up soot in your fireplace, and you can end up having a, a chimney fire. It can burn your house down. It's dangerous. It's easy to burn. There are certain things that we tap into spiritually that are easy spiritually. And sometimes we just want easy. But what we don't recognize is it can contaminate us with soot. It can add just as much bad as it does good. What do I like to burn? Red oak. Somebody gave me some gopher wood. And this was not the gopher wood that they built the ark out of. This is, I don't even know what it's really called, but I found out that locally they call it gopher wood. You know why they call it gopher wood? Because if you burn it before long, you're going to have to be going for some more wood. All it does is burn quick. It doesn't really add much heat. It looks good out there in the 
fire pit because you don't have much expectation. You're not trying to heat a house and sustain a family with it. You're going to go for some more wood. Let's go for wood. Go for some more. But I found that if I can get a hold of some good cherry or some good oak, some good hard dry wood, I can put it on the fire and it will burn hot and long and it will sustain a fire and it will burn clean and I don't have to deal with the soot building up because I've tapped into something that's good and real. I find myself as a pastor, as a leader in the, in the body of Christ and, and looking into a new year and I'm saying, Lord, what, are, what do we do as a church that's just fluff? And, and what do we do as a church that's just gopher, just keeps us busy? What can we do that it has sustenance and it brings stability and it brings about sustained change and puts heat back in the altar, heat back in our fires and makes us alive and have something that we can share and warm other people with? And so I'm looking into this new year in that way. And folks, I, I'm, I'm trying not to lean into this. I'll try to lean into that next week. But folks, we have got to become disciplers. We need to be able to take what we have received and be able to pass it into the lives of somebody else. And discipling is getting people saved and discipling is, is teaching people how to walk. So let me ask this question. And there's no malice in my heart. I hope that this question brings introspection into your life. But I, I want to ask you this question. How confident are you in your experience with the Lord of yesteryear? And your ability to take what you've received and be able to pass it into the lives of others. Because, see, we've got to get there. It's not just about, I think the enemy wants to keep us in a place where we are, in a sense, trying to make sure that we are able to receive from the Lord. And we're, we're kept to the point where we feel like, I just want to know, God, are you there to meet my needs? Can, when I need you, can I call on you? Part of that has to do with an insecurity where the enemy beats us up and tells us we're not good enough. And so we question whether or not we're worthy of that supply from heaven, which Jesus dealt with that. Jesus dealt with that. Jesus bore our sin. Jesus bore our offense. He took our transgressions upon him. So if we can just wipe that slate and say, I am not good enough. I'm not perfect enough and I don't deserve it but he has provided it for me. Thank you, God, for your grace. And in, in light of the current message that's out in the body of Christ, I need to say this also. Grace comes with responsibility. Grace is not weakness on God's part. Grace is not forgetfulness on God's part. Grace is about a provision that's been made. And God wants our lives to change to correspond with the provision. God wants our lives to be transformed corresponding to the provision. Grace doesn't mean that God just overlooks everything that has gone on in our life or is currently going on in our lives. He's not overlooking it. Jesus saw it in all glory is not the right word. Jesus saw it in all of his fullness. He saw it in all of its fullness. All the, the hideousness of our sinfulness, the hideousness of our attitudes, the hideousness, hideousness of our actions and our intentions and our motives. He saw the hideousness of all that and he said, I will take that upon myself so that they can be free. So grace is not free. It's just paid for. Grace is not free. It's been paid for. But as believers, when we receive His grace, we also have responsibility. God's intention is to provide us with the resource to be able to change our lives, 
to not continue to live in a cesspool of sin, but that our lives be changed. So the enemy would love to keep us in a place where we question our worthiness, we question whether or not God will be there when we need him, whether or not God is more than enough to meet our supply or somehow there's some kind of barrier or buffer that's keeping that resource from being able to get to us when God has filled his scriptures with promises to us that he is our El Shaddai, that he is our provider, that he is our healer, that he is our covenant God. Scripture is full of those type of things. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That we would have all that we needed to be able to live this life for him. So there needs to be a transformation. And what I see God desiring to move us into as a body of believers is, number one, to have confidence of what he's put in us all over all these years. Even if you're just beginning to walk with God, have confidence of what your experience has been and understand that that power that comes from God is more than enough to sustain you and then also to bring life through you to the people you come in contact with. So I believe the discipleship aspect that God's wanting us to, to walk into in this next year is going to have to do with us learning how to share our faith. Uh, over the last couple of years, I know that one reoccurring theme that's come through is tell your story. Just learn how to tell your story. Learn how to tell your story quickly. Learn how you t t tell your story effectively. I don't know why, but I initiate a conversation with someone, and before long, I'm going to be talking about growing up in Africa. Y'all have never heard that. Did y'all know I grew up in Africa? I don't know. I just, I end up going there. I don't know why. But I can sit there and talk about that experience, and a lot of times it's a, a form of introduction to people, and it's a curiosity to them. But I'm going to tell you from a personal perspective that all of that introduction and connection does nothing unless there, be there becomes an opportunity for transformation. Do you understand? I can sit there and talk about stories and all kinds of stuff. I can tell you about animal stories and all kinds of stuff, and I'll probably make some kind of spiritual application to it, Ralph. Ralph. The reason why I say that because I talked about my aquarium one time and talked about it, and Ralph said, I tell you what, that guy can get an illustration out of anything. The fish in the tank. But unless we can take our story and make it a transformational conversation, it's just another story. But God can empower us to be able to be effective as witnesses and to be able to take our story and give life to someone or spark something inside of them and give them an opportunity to come to flame, stir a hunger inside of them. So I want God to use us to bring life to people. It's more than just our receiving life and our having enough to sustain us and having enough fire on our altar to be able to keep our altar aflame. We've got to learn how to take what we've got on our altar or in our fireplace and be able to share it and ignite somebody else. And also, beyond that initial inspiration and environment, inflaming, to give them the tools that they need to be able to be sustained in life. How confident are you? And I'm making the statement not just to stir inferiority or a sense of inferiority, but how confident are you in your ability to take a new believer to a place of, of self-sustaining relationship with the Lord? That's where I want us to be. That's where I want us to grow. That's where... I want us to provide resources to you. Look, this whole model of the, the church that has grown up to where there is a figure that stands in the front and supplies the needs of the congregation from week to week is flawed. You want me to say it again? This model that we've had, that there's somebody who's supposed to stand up here and give us everything that we need to learn from the Lord and to be able to supply us spiritually for the rest of the week. Oh, I'm on a spiritual high. I can get maybe six or seven, six days down the road before we get back in and fill the tank up again. That's flawed. Look, God's given gifts to the body of Christ. God's given me a responsibility and given me certain gifts to help supply to the body of Christ. 
but that's not to be your spoon feeder every week. God's given you your own gifts and your own abilities, and there's an abundance of abilities in this gift that I want to see flourish and come to, come to light and to flame up, and I'll be fulfilled when I see you flourishing in your gifts and abilities for me to be able to say, I mean, I'm I knew that God had something for Cecile to share this morning. Cecile, share. And and that was not my intention to put her on the spot. (laughs) If you could see the eyes. (laughs) But there was something that she had had inside of her. And look, my intention is not to do that. But I want to hear from your gifts this year. I want God to be able to, to bless through you. I want to see you grow in your gifts so you develop the confidence in you. Look, there's some of you are already there. God's given me this thing, and I, I've mentioned it to some, but this is a, this is a word that God's given me for, for this year, and, and he's still unfolding an understanding of it. Just checking. God told me this simple phrase, he said, be prepared for the gathering of eagles. And I heard that, and it just it stuck with me. It resonates inside me. Be prepared for the gathering of eagles. And I'll tell you what understanding I have of that, and that is that eagles are used to a solitary life. Eagles are used to a solitary life. They're powerful. They've got their own life, their own experience, their own vision. They've got, they, on their own, they, they have always learned to operate on their own until it was necessary for them to be with somebody else. And then, you know, they uh, eagle couple will come together and they'll have babies and then they'll release them and then they'll do their thing. And, you know, they only, they generally have functioned on their own for the most part. But the Lord said, be prepared for a gathering of eagles. And I've seen pictures of when eagles land on a beach beside a salmon carcass or uh, something like that. Thank you, National Geographic and and Animal Channel and for the insight. But when those eagles come together, there's a squabble and a fight and a, you know, they're, they're trying to figure it all out. These are solitary animals that have, haven't been used to working together before and all of a sudden they come together and there's a gathering around a purpose. There's something that's there that they all need, that's something that's necessary, but they have to learn to work together. They have to establish an, an order and, and understand how to function as a, a group so that everyone gets what they need and they're sustained and I don't want that to happen, but I'm reminded of an instance in the Bible, the cave of Abdullah. Everybody said, what's an Abdullah? There's a, a, a King David. Before he was King David, he ended up being run off. It wasn't his time yet to be king, but he had this band of people that came together. When you read about them, and I do encourage you to read about them, but he had this gathering of unruly people that came together. They were the outcasts and the misfits and the debtors and the ruffians and the detestable to a whole lot of people, except that the fact that there was a divine purpose involved and they, for some reason, rallied around this upstart young guy with an anointing on his life and they gathered around because there was a purpose forming there. And so they came together. And I'm going to tell you, somebody who is used to being pushed out and mistreated and been seen as worthless and useless. They don't just go, come around and buddy up to one another all of a sudden. There's a, a brandishing of swords and a flurry of temper and there's an expression of attitudes. And I'm sure when those people came together from the cave, there was still a tendency to be a, a solitary eagle in the middle of a group of a gathering of eagles. Even though each one had their own gift and their own ability, their own life skills that they had developed and their own spiritual talents that had been given to them, there were still things that they had to rally through and work out and tussle with and argue through, but yet they stuck together. And if you continue to read about that ragtag kind of army that came together, you find that many of those people are described later on as David's mighty men. Those that, without even asking, went into war. Those who went into battle with such fervor and such fury that after a day's worth of fighting, they literally had to peel, pry their fingers off of the sword because in the heat of the battle, they cleaved their hand of the sword so so tough. And some that would take just a spear and go out into battle and just decimate the enemy. 
But those ruffians and those hardcore people that God brought together, God brought them together for a purpose to accomplish the freeing of a nation and the establishing of a kingdom. So God's reoccurring word to me has been be prepared for a gathering of eagles. You know what that means to me? Get ready. <laughs> There's going to be some different kind of gifts and different kind of anointings. There's going to be some people that you don't understand and don't look or act or talk or, 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 or do the way that we may be familiar with. But God's going to send people here because they've got a gifting and anointing and there's been things that God's called them to walk in that they haven't been able to walk in with freedom. And, there, and we need to be a place that's willing to receive that's willing to work with, that's willing to love. And it's not all going to be about conforming. It's going to be about transforming. It's going to be about God being able to accomplish in them what He wants to accomplish in them. And while we're associated with them, believe it or not, we're going to be transformed and we're going to grow and we're going to develop. And, but we've got to be ready. Are we, are we going to be at the... I, don't, I can't see us this way. Are we going to be people that hold people at arm's length or are we going to be people that embrace the people that God gives us? What kind of a church are we? What are we looking for? Are we looking to perpetuate the same old, same old? You know, there's a lot of things that we've gotten used to doing and repetitively from year to year we can accomplish the same thing and we can do a good job at it and we can, we can get through the year just fine. If you just want to get through the year, I don't want to just get through the year. From God's perspective, I want to be a powerhouse for God. It's not just about our church. I want us to be a fire starter church with regards to the community. I want us to burn in such a way that, that people say, I want some of that. And there's going to be people that come here, and then there's people going to experience something. They're going to go back to where they came from, and they're going to ignite something there, or they're going to have a personal experience in their own home. And they're going to change their churches and their communities and their workplace and their schools. And their businesses, because they've had an encounter with God. Or they had an, well, they had an encounter with God, and it may not be here. It may be just through you. So there's a few different instances. I'm reminded of, of, of uh, Exodus chapter 3. I think you can say that in Exodus chapter 3, that the people of God were in desperate need of a change. Because in Exodus 3, the people of God were down in Egypt and they were slaves. And so there was a guy minding his own business out on a hillside, taking care of sheep, pretty mundane, generally taking care of sheep. You're not really looking for a whole lot of trouble from sheep. Just kind of settle into life. I mean, he was 80, so kind of coasting along. So look, I'm going to go ahead and talk about 80. There's no excuse to quit. Until God's done with you, you're not done. If you're still here, he's not done. Okay? So keep wood on the fire. Keep the flames burning. Keep the heat coming out of the oven. Moses is out there minding his own business on the hillside. I've already preached about this, so I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to share. And he saw a bush burning. But what was different about that bush burning? I've actually heard that there are times when there would be bushes burning out there. I, living in Africa, there are certain times of the year when you expect grass fires. The grass fires will move through the area, just like here in the States. Sometimes that fires happen without somebody lighting a fire, without somebody's foolish mistake. There are grass fires, forest fires, things like that that happen from lightning strikes or Sometimes there's a bottle left and a reflection and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes fires just happen. And even out there in, in that area, they said sometimes fire, there would be bushes that would catch on fire. I don't know why. I'm not going to try to explain it. But what was different about this fire? It didn't burn out. It didn't burn out. And it caught his attention. And so he moved closer. And when he moved closer, he heard a voice from God. I'm, I, let me just tell you this. There are people out in the world that they have seen burning bushes before. 
They've seen burning bushes before. They've heard that voice before. But they're not impressed because they've also seen those bushes burn out. They've seen the anointing fade. They've seen the message stumble and fall. So to get out there and say, for me to walk up to someone and say, I'm not, <laughs> we're still in the Bible Belt, so it still happens now. For me to go to Florida and tell people that I was a, a pastor or that I was a preacher, oh, really? Another one of those. So what are you doing now? Well, I'm not pastoring. Right. Oh, oh you're, okay, we understand. You're one of those. <laughs> We've seen a lot of those come through. Oh, by the way, we know a lot of people who were pastors. We know a lot of people who were preachers, and they, they burned out. Or they had an indiscretion. They failed and they fell. But to see a fire that's not consumed, it continues to burn, and it continues to burn, and continues to burn. Look, let me rephrase this. I'm not talking about pastors, and I'm not talking about evangelists, and I'm not talking about apostles and, and, and people of high position or leaderships of leaders of, of ministries. I'm talking about you. Is there an unconsumable fire? Is there a fire in your life that just gets sustained and sustained. I'm not saying that there's not tough days where the wind blows hard and it gets difficult and you may have difficult circumstances, but is there a, an unconsumable fire, a, a continual fire on the altar of your life, something that people can look at and know, look, I'm going through a hard time. Where can I go? Where can I go? I know Lou. I know I can go to Lou because Lou's constant. She's consistent. She's, she'll pray for me. I know that I can go to a, a Carolyn. Carolyn's going to be there. She's, she's going to love me. She's going to pray for me. She's going to intercede. And how many other countless people in this place could we point to that the people could look at and say, look, I, I, know, I know them. They may not be flamboyant in some kind of way, but I, I know that they're consistent. I can depend on them. There's a fire there that doesn't go out, even when they go through difficult times. Moses saw a bush that didn't quit burning. It kept on burning and kept on burning. And the closer he got to that bush, all of a sudden he realized that because the, the, the voice spoke to him and said, you're on holy ground. But he, it was holy ground. There was something different about that fire. It wasn't just like any other kind of fire. There was something holy about it. And he heard the voice of God there. See, folks, people need to be able to see the fire of God in our lives. They need to be able to see that there's something there that, that, that's... Even though the circumstance and the situation change, it's an unwavering fire that they can move closer to and they can have an encounter with the presence of God. That they just don't walk away and remember what our name is and somehow be drawn to us or be drawn to our church. Folks, our responsibility is not to build a church. It's to build a kingdom. A kingdom's in the hearts and lives of folks. And folks, that we're building the kingdom of God. God's going to send people here. He said that he would build his church. So our mission is the hearts and lives of men. And in the process of winning men and women and children for the Lord, God will fill our house. And if our house gets overfilled, we need to birth and let Another church. I'm not afraid of birthing churches. I'm not afraid of birthing home groups or we meet at our business before work or after work or we get together with a knitting club or a book club or a, you name it. We get together and we have opportunities to talk about God in the middle of our getting together. Could be a football game or a Every opportunity is a good opportunity to talk about God. There was another group of guys, and it's in Daniel chapter 3, that came in contact with the fire. They were loving God. They were sold out for the Lord. They refused to bow to the idol. And yet they went into a fiery furnace. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. These people loved God, served God, were committed to God. They weren't willing to bow their knee to what idol. Why the furnace? You ever been doing your best for the Lord and questioned why He allowed something in your life? But God, your promises say 
that you'll sustain us, that you'll keep us from the hand of the enemy. And yet, they went into a furnace. If you get your eyes on the furnace, you miss the opportunity to see God in the furnace. I would lie to you, and I'm not going to intentionally. I would lie to you if I said you don't go through hard times as a believer. There's been teachings that made it sound like you would never have difficult times if you served God and if you paid your tithes and if you attended church. And, and they said you'd never have that. That's not true. But I can tell you this. In the middle of the furnace where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went because they were serving God, the net effect of their having been in the service was their bondage was gone. The ropes were gone. They went through the furnace. They went through the fire. And that fire may have consumed and killed some, but they came out the other side without even the smell of smoke on their garments. In the middle of the fire, they didn't turn away from God. They worshiped God. They praised His name. They fellowshiped with Him, and He met them in the middle of the furnace. I'm going to tell you, you can go through some hard and difficult times in life, but if you keep your heart and attitude in the right place, God will meet you there. You'll find things that you may not have even been aware of that were binding you and holding you back and restricting you. And you'll find that those things had been consumed in the middle of that furnace and they fell away. Not to say that you didn't experience the flame, but you find another level of fellowship coming outside of the furnace. So even though it's hard to say, even though it's hard to voice sometimes but sometimes even going through a furnace experience is sweet when you come out the other side and you're deeper and find out that he's richer and that he is more constant and that you can depend on him There's one other just fire experience that I want to mention. There's other things that I had written down in my notes, and they're coming to mind right now, but I don't really spend a whole lot of time with it. Folks, there are resources available to us so that we can walk out this life. There are things that, are, that need to be a part of our life. Let, let me just touch on this, the fresh fuel, fresh fuel. We've got to put fresh logs on, on the altar. But it's important that you get those logs from a good source, that it, it, it's something that's sustainable, dependable. Now, the Holy Spirit can guide and give you direction in where you draw from. But there are, there are good, dependable resources that I, I would love. You know, I, we've got the Right Now Media that's available to you. If you're not hooked into that, please let me know. Give me your email address, and I can connect you to that. There's some good things on there. Can I, there's a very good basic resource that, that I want to connect you with. I want to make you aware of. And I've talked with some of you about this. But um, without question, we need to be spending time in the Word of God. Okay? Without question. But I know if you haven't had a lot of background in Scripture, that picking up the Bible and trying to figure out where to read or understanding what you're reading can be a little daunting and confusing. So let me, let me encourage you with this. If you have questions, don't be afraid to ask somebody. Find somebody that's sitting around you. Connect with them and ask them questions. Connect with the leadership of the church. Give us a call. I would love to talk to you about the Bible. I would love to... If I don't know, we'll dig. We'll find an answer. We'll find something. The Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit wants you to know something, He'll make sure that you have the resources to be able to find the answer. But it goes without saying that we've got to be spending time in the Word of God. One of my great concerns for the body of Christ is that we are losing the discipline of Bible reading and Bible memorization. And because of that, we will become... I'm saying we as a body at whole, we will become vulnerable to winds of doctrine that sound good to our ears but are not really biblically, biblically sound. They don't stand the test 
of the weight of biblical Scripture. So we become whimsical, and we become tickled in our ears, and we feel good about it, and people will broadly embrace it, and there's no conscious conviction for life change, and we become anemic as a body of Christ, so we become vulnerable to the snares of the enemy. So we've got to know the Bible. If nobody else knows the Bible, let's know the Bible, okay? I want to encourage you, okay, moving into this new year, yes, I'm making resolutions. Anybody else make resolutions for the new year? Have intentions to make resolutions? You have a resolution to make a resolution? Look, let me just encourage you with this. Okay, people make resolutions and they fail. It's better to intend to do something than not to do something. And let me tell you, if it means a reset, every once in a while you just need to do a reset. You need to look at what you're doing, you need to look at where you've come from, and you need to refocus your attention on what's most important and what you need to be doing. You may choose to do that in September. You may choose to do that in January. You may do that every week of your life. But every once in a while, you need to get yourself back on track because you can get distracted. When you talk to to an IT department with your computer, when you give them a call and say, look, my computer's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. My telephone's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. One of the first things they're going to say, have you restarted it? Just shut it down, start it over again. Why? The reason is because as you're using different programs, different platforms, different apps, different type of things, you've got layers of communication that are happening inside that computer, and it's pulling resources here and pulling resources there. And I'm not even going to act like I know all the things. We could get Paula up here to come and share with us and explain. But what ends up happening, she's shaking her head no. But when we end up with all these layers of communication and the resources of that computer are pulled in all these different directions, before long, it just gets so bogged down that it can't accomplish basic functions and it just comes to a standstill doesn't that sound like life we get pulled this way and that way we've got this going on and that going on and this person's calling me and that person's calling me and i've got so many things going on i just can't even keep up with all the details of life and i just don't know what to do and you're so busy taking care of all of these things that that clear path that had been laid out in front of you these are the things that i need to do these are the things that i need to get in order these are the things i need to put in place to accomplish that big thing The mud of all of this just brings so much confusion you can't see with clarity ahead. So occasionally in life, you need to do a reset. We had a little bit of a two-day reset. Two-night reset is not long enough, but it was refreshing nonetheless. Shut it all down. Get the focus back where the focus needs to be. Let all the mud settle out. Did you get it? One of our core things as believers is we need to be in the Word of God. I I saw through, I believe it is uh, version. I think think that's the version you were using, uh, Palmer. I've also seen through um, the Blue Letter Bible. I know Right Now Media has it. I also know that you can go to, just online to thebibleproject.com. There's a guy by the name of Tim Mackey. M-A-C-K-I-E, Mackey. He's put together something called the Bible Project. The Bible Project is a fantastic resource for you and also if you're trying to help somebody go through the Bible. What he's done is taking these little character caricature, look like little cartoons, but they're cartoons with a punch, okay, that help take sections of the Bible like Genesis 1 through 11, And you can sit there and watch this little few-minute thing, and it gives you an overview of what's going to happen in that part of the Bible. It is dynamite. I love it. Palmer mentioned it to me the other week, but I've already been looking at it, and a few other people have. So if you're trying to guide someone in their walk and their Bible study to give them some resource to be able to help them through it, they can go and sit down with, it's called the Bible Project. Uh, One, I think in the, the, the right now media, it's called Read the Bible. But it's the same type of resource, uh, Blue Letter Bible, uh, uh, version. I know that uh, right now media, and then also just the Bible Project, on, BibleProject.org, I think. I believe it's all the same type of thing. BibleProject.org is more in-depth. There's more that's there, I think. But by Tim Mackey, and it's just a great little resource. If you're needing some guidance to understand the Bible, 
that what you're getting ready to read or what you have read, go there and watch the little short video and then go through your reading. Also, BibleProject.org, Blue Letter Bible, those other things have Bible reading programs. You can read through the Bible from cover to cover. You can read with, with uh, Old Testament, New Testament, and a psalm for the day. There's different type of programs. Some of them, it is a uh, historical read through the Bible where it takes, it takes the, the books of the prophets and lays it up against the chronicles or, or uh, you know, the, the where, so things would happen in a timeline. Uh, what am I trying to say? I want to encourage you to spend time in the Word of the Lord this year, deeper than you've ever done it before. I want to do that. So let's immerse ourselves in God's Word. Can we fail at that? Is that going to harm us in any kind of way to spend more time in God's Word? No. But I will say this. It needs to be balanced with relationship. Okay? It needs to be balanced with relationship. So let me, let me just step away from this in just a moment and say, look, Acts chapter 2 tells a story of a bunch of disciples, 120 gathered in an upper room trying to figure out what they're going to do. Well, what's it going to look like? How are we going to live? How, you know, we had all this immersion with Jesus and he taught us all these things and we've got all these resources available to us, but what are we supposed to do? What are we going to, how are we going to live all this out? I mean, insecurity, ragtag group of people come together and, you know, they were fighting not too long ago about who was the greatest in the middle of them and here now the greatest in the middle of them is gone. And how, how do we become a cohesive force for God's kingdom? There was another kind of fire that they had an encounter with. Jesus said, look, if, you, if you'll stay there, stay there until the promise of the Holy Spirit, He will give you power, empowerment. See, that kind of fire wasn't just about getting their needs met. We, we always look and want to make sure that our needs are met, but that kind of fire wasn't about just getting their needs met. It was about having the ability to meet the needs of people we're going to come in contact with. And folks, we need God's Word, but we need an empowerment by the Holy Spirit. We need fresh fire. That is an unconsumed fire. It's a fire that's maintained by relationship, by intimacy with God. And if we'll keep that kind of fire in our altars... There'll be more than enough. The wisdom that comes, the knowledge that comes, the faith that comes, the healing that comes, the prophecy that comes, the discernment that comes when someone is saying the right thing and, and acting like the right thing, but we understand there's something that's not quite right, and we get to deal with the heart of it. And Jesus, said, Jesus told that rich young man, yeah, but go sell everything that you have and give to the poor. I've kept everything. I'm doing everything just right. Yeah, but just go and do this. And it said it went away with his heart. Because, see, that discernment gives you the ability to see through the facade and be able to see what's really going on. Folks, we need to be a spirit-empowered people. The Holy Spirit has been blanketed and cloaked in all kinds of man's interpretation and all kinds of worldly expectation and things like that. But it's about a relationship and an anointing on the inside that helps us be able to live out a life on the outside transformational power what kind of church are we going to be in the new year this is a good place to start ever in pursuit of an ongoing fire on the altar it's not just for me but it's through me an anointing to be able to touch and change lives for the kingdom of God we can have fancy programs we could have the best music we can have the most powerful preaching miracles happen but folks if we don't have the anointing if we don't have the presence of god and i'm not talking about wildfire i'm talking about sustained fire okay i'm not talking about a once in a while fire i'm talking about a this is my experience this is my life kind of fire if we have that, we'll see lives changed. We'll see an anointing. I want us to be a discipling church because that's what God called us all to. Go and make disciples. And I want us to get to the end of this next year, 2019, and be able to look back and say, oh my goodness, look what God has done.
Look what God has done. Look what God has done. Our vision's got to expand. I don't even know how to talk about it because I can't really put words to it. But folks, we, we, we can see and we look to God to meet our needs like this, but God's got more. There's more. God wants to send some of you to nations. God wants to send you around the world. And some of you automatically say, well, he must be talking about somebody else. Stop somebody else what God wants to do in your life. Why don't you just say, here am I, Lord, send me. Use me, Lord. I don't want to go through all that uncomfortable, and I don't want to go through all that stuff, and I don't want to go to that other country. Who said it's about us anyhow? God, what do you want? I want to do that. What do you want, Lord? Make yourself available to the Lord. Make yourself available to the Lord. Look, if there's anything that I've said today that sounds good to you, anything that I've said today that calls out to you, would you stand with me and let's go to the Lord in prayer? If not, you can just stand just to be nice, but I trust that you're standing because it spoke to your heart. God, there's not one of us in this place that could not say that there have been times this year, Lord, that our altar got filled with ash. We got cluttered up with things that shouldn't have been there. But Lord, would you, by the wind of your Holy Spirit, blow on us with a fresh fire, dear God, a, fle- a fresh breath of heaven, and blow everything that should not be away, dear God. Clear us out, dear God, of things that are clutter and a hindrance to you. And God, bring fresh fuel on our altar, dear God, by our relationship with you and by our intimacy with you and by the resources that we take hold of to be able to add fuel to our fire. <coughs> our fireplace, dear Lord. And then, God, would you take and produce a radiant heat inside of us that cannot be contained by us, dear Lord, but it has to manifest and reach out and touch the lives of other people. And, Lord, establish your kingdom through us, I pray, dear God. And that means we take the limitations off of what you can do and where you want to do it and how you want to do it, Lord. We want your kingdom your way. Rule and reign in our lives, O God. Rule and reign in our lives, O God. Lord, manifest healings where healings need to be manifest and bring deliverance where deliverances need to be manifest, your Lord, to set free enslaved hearts. Break the addictions, your God, to drugs and pornography, your God, and to illicit relationships, and and your God, break the power of uh, prejudice off of our hearts, your God, where it's taken root, your God. Lord, break the chains, dear God, of, of ancient sins that have been passed down from generation to generation, not just on our own families, dear God, but on our community. And God has set us free so that we can be the people that you've called us to be. But Lord, be an effective force through us to challenge the strongholds of darkness, to demolish those strongholds, dear God, and establish the gates around your city, dear God, so that you can be glorified in this place. Lord, set your church free, dear God, your body in this place, dear God, and in those that are our brothers and sisters that call on your name, dear Lord, take the blinders off, shake off the ash, dear God, and help us to walk effectively in your kingdom. And God, will give you the praise and the glory. May you be glorified. Lord, I speak an anointing over this people, dear God. Challenge them this week, dear God. Refocus our attention on things, dear God, that are of true value. God, I pray that you would uh, loosen the chains that have bound us up, dear God. I pray for, for healing of heart, dear God, healing of relationships, dear God, for healing of the body, dear Lord, where it's needed, for healing of the mind where it's needed, dear God, for you to set us in a good place with regards to our spiritual walk, I pray for blessings over these families, your God, for financial blessings, your God, for unity and oneness, for children to listen and obey their parents, for parents to lead in such a way that they're worthy of being followed. God, that you would lead us into this new year, dear God, that we can be the people that you've called us to be. So be it. Amen and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you.